Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like a book club, but for board games. I'm Kiwi, and with me is BP. Hi! Today we're playing General Orders World War II. It was designed by Trevor Benjamin, who also did Undaunted Normandy and all the other Undaunteds, uh, War Chest, Mandala, and Undaunted North Africa, and David Thompson, who also did Undaunted Normandy, War Chest, Undaunted North Africa, uh, Undaunted Stalingrad. Uh, he's also a co-designer for Night Witches. So he likes World War II. I think, yeah. Yeah, probably. Uh, the artist is Alex Green, and it was published in 2023 by Osprey Games. General Orders World War II pits competing commanders against each other in a tug of war for control over a crucial Second World War battlefield, either in the mountains of Italy or the islands of the Pacific. Players strive to seize crucial strategic assets that unlock special abilities and prevent their opponents doing the same. Balance the desire to gain these advantages with the need to secure supply lines, ward off aerial assault and artillery barrages, and protect your vulnerable headquarters in this compact and elegant two-player game. Elegant. And the work, the mechanics are worker placement. Oh. And that's the only one. Okay. So, uh, and the box art? Uh, it's got like some army person with binoculars looking out over, looks like a village in the mountains. Yep. It's a very nondescript uniform. I think by the green, it's supposed to be like an allied uniform, but it's uh, difficult to tell. Uh, the town's on fire. Oh, yeah. I in the foreground. Mm -hmm. And you can't really tell by the architecture where the town is. Maybe you're looks like a mountain town. Yeah. Uh, so based on the description and the box art, would you pick this up off a shelf? No. Yeah, I didn't think you would. <laughs> I'm... Just one uh, World War II, like, like students love it, but death and destruction and it just sounds very war game like. And despite how I seem to enjoy war games, I don't know. Okay. Uh, I'm a yes. Um, you had me at war game, World War II and worker placement. You, you could have <laughs> given me nothing else and I would have been like, I'm interested. Well, and you like the Undaunted series. And I do like the Undaunted series. So, and uh, watching the design kind of direction of Night Witches, I think that's one we'll, I will enjoy as well. So I'm looking forward to that one also. But yes, I do like the designer. Uh, Osprey Games uh, has been making games that I enjoy. So yeah, I would pick it up based on that. So... Uh, how do you think it's played? Well, worker placement. Okay. So we've yep. got workers. We're going to place some spots to do stuff. So I'm, I am curious that area, I thought looking at the board area, majority, majority area control was going to be a mechanic, sure. but no, prevent their opponents from doing the same. Okay. So we need to supply. So one of our stops is going to be supplying our troops. We're going to stop at defense and uh, marches. Those are our stops where we put our workers to apparently then do things. Okay. Who, whoever doesn't get beat up the most wins. Isn't that how war kind of goes? I mean, it's 
How do you define winning? There's actually lots of probably essays on that. Do do you want to get into the quintessential question? Is how do you define winning? Because you can still lose and win. Yeah. uh, Or have a, what seems like a know nothing battle, but actually turns into a major strategic thing like the Battle of Trafalgar. The abridged, explain it like I'm five, too long, didn't read history of World War II. God, no, I wasn't going to do that. Uh, That's been done so many times. But I was thinking, since that's been done so many times, and I don't know general orders as in military orders, because military history is not my thing. Salute all colors. Something I should know these, but I don't. There's actually 11 general orders of a century um, that you're supposed to know. And then there's a couple of unofficial. Um, there's walk my post from flank to flank and take no shit from any rank. And these are the orders I just received from the asshole I just relieved. Okay, go on. Okay, I'm giving Kiwi blank stares. Um, executive orders. Okay. Executive order. This is a stretch. 9066. I don't know what that one is. Internment of and incarceration of Japanese Americans. You did go sad. <laughs> there were so many options and you went with it. Okay, let's hear about it. Um, so executive order was signed and issued on February 19, 1942, authorized the forced removal of all persons deemed a threat to national security from the West Coast to relocation centers. Um, resulting in the incarceration of Japanese Americans. Two-thirds of them were U.S. citizens born and raised in the United States. Um, uh, Again, kind of the background to the order is rooted in racism of the early 20th century, of which FDR was no um, exception. Uh, In 1936, he had written, quote, the mingling of Asiatic blood with European or American blood uh, should be opposed um, and praised California's ban on land ownership by first-generation Japanese, which was a thing in the 1930s. Um, So, yeah. Um, The uh, executive order uh, basically called for the... I mean, the roundup, really. It required uh, all persons of Japanese or Japanese descent to report to these relocation centers, which were generally in fairgrounds um, across along the coast, the West Coast, especially. Um, interestingly enough, uh, exclusions included... Um, the Japanese Americans on Hawaii were deemed less at risk, uh, and therefore only about 20% of the Japanese Americans in the Hawaiian islands were incarcerated. Um, whereas the, I mean, the majority, uh, on the West coast, uh, California, Oregon, and Washington, were incarcerated in concentration camps um, in places like Arizona, Wyoming, Arkansas, uh, the mountains of California, and Nevada. Um, They were incarcerated throughout the war. 
in fact, it wasn't until 1976 that President Ford signed a proclamation confirming the termination of the executive order. I didn't know that it took that long. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until the late 80s that any talk of a public for uh, forgiveness, right, calls for um, a public apology. That's what that's called. The camps weren't still open in 70. No, okay. the camps closed uh, at the end of the war. Even after they were found in 42 to not have... Um, any a right, the majority of people not, um, not being a fifth column, right? Uh, they, uh, they did not close the camps until 42, 43, um, was the first time Japanese uh, Americans were allowed to join military service. Yeah, they formed the 442nd Regimental Combat Team, the most decorated unit in U.S. Army history. Yeah. Made up of generally second generation uh, Japanese Americans. Uh, they served primarily in Europe because they were afraid that if they served in the Pacific that they would go back to their native country, which is ridiculous because they were all second country. generation. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them... Uh, so uh, 4,000 Purple Hearts, 4,000 4, Bronze Stars, uh, seven presidential, presidential unit citations, uh, five of them they got in a single month, uh, 21 Medals of Honor, uh, Congressional uh, Gold Medal was awarded in 2010, and then... Um, they were made in 2012. All surviving members were made Chevaliers in the French Legion d'Honneur. Mm. Uh, and the unit deactivated in 1946 was reactivated in 47 as a reserve unit mm. uh, and is still a reserve unit. It's a combination of the 100th Battalion and the 442nd Infantry Regiment, uh, which are still reserve units out in Hawaii. Mm. Yeah. Um, Go for broke. That was their motto. <laughs> uh, one of the colleges I worked at had a exhibit in the library once of um, some of the locals donations uh, because Southern California had a large Japanese and Japanese American population. And so we even had some uh, a vet come speak with us who had been part of the 442nd and his wife who had been interred. Um, so quite fascinating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, a little dark, sorry, but it's also World War II. Like, <sighs> so there you go. Executive order 9066. Side part of history. Yeah. Yep. So how okay. do we play this game? Yeah. How do we play after all of that? So, in general orders, World War II, we are generals in one of two theaters of war, either the Alpine terrain of Italy or the islands in the Pacific. The rulebook doing Italy. Yeah, the rulebook never actually names the sides, but obviously the two opposing sides are generally the ones that we fight against. Depending on when we're in the Italian campaign, we could be allies and Italians. More than likely, we're probably allies and Germans. 
but it doesn't really tell you, hey, the blue are Germans, the yellow are allies. You just kind of were two generals fighting against each other. Uh, the sides are just blue and blue and yellow. So the rulebook recommends for the first time play to use the Alpine map. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. So the first player is chosen by flipping the round marker and the face upside goes first. The game is played over a series of rounds with each round containing three phases. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to deploy commanders, uh, which are going to be these kind of hexagonal cylinders, which is two different things, but... <laughs> Uh, players will take turns placing one of their commanders from their reserve into an unoccupied action space and resolving the action. You can also pass, in which case you take no further actions this phase. So all actions have deployment criteria. If the criteria cannot be met, you cannot place a commander and take that action. Uh, linked areas are found on the map and have attached actions as well. So for the Alpine map in the center, there are actions linked to specific locations as well. Uh, so then the next thing we're going to do is advance. So arrows pointing out in a circle. Uh, so that's what these kind of, they look like snowflakes almost. Mm. So that's the advance logo. So you can't control the area. And it. Uh, so in order to play there, you cannot control the area and it must be adjacent to an area that you have control in. So in supply and with two or more troops. So take one or more troops from adjacent areas and move them into the area. Resolve any conflicts. Uh, some options with that, you can para-drop, uh, which the logo looks like a little parachute. Uh, you have to control the area. It's in supply and the icon matches your faction color. So if you'll notice on either side of the map, there are icons. So I can't para-drop where my icon isn't uh, yellow on my side. And some locations like these two lakes, you can't para-drop in because that would suck. Uh, barrage, so it looks like the side view of an artillery piece. So you have to control the area. It's in supply and the icon matches your faction color. Choose a target up to three hexes away from the linked area. Roll two dice or move that many troops from the target area and return them to their opponent's supply. So support actions are found on the support board. So we have a support board off to the side. Uh, those ones can be reinforced. So that's going to be a triangle uh, with a little circle above it. Uh, there are two on the reserve board. Each player can only use one of them per round. Take the number of troops based on the number in the action space. So you'll see one of them has five and one of them has six. And that's how many troops, which is the little discs that you get to place on the board. Uh, you can't have more than five troops per land area. And then uh, your next thing is plan. And it looks like a little hand of cards. So you can, uh, there are two on the reserve board. Each player can only use one of them per round. So draw a number of cards based on the value in the action space. So either two or one. Uh, and there is no hand limit. So one plan space also has a lightning bolt, and that basically gives you initiative. Uh, operations cards can be spent to reroll dice or resolve for their special effect. You resolve multiple special effects in the same turn as long as they are not the same special effect. Uh, and then anytime we have to do conflict resolution, so the defender is going to roll one die and remove that many attacking troops from the area and put them back into the attacker's supply. And then simultaneously, both players are gonna remove one of their troops from the area until at least one player has no troops remaining in the area. These troops go back to their respective reserve. Finally, if the attacker has more than five troops in the area, they remove troops until they only have five in the area. And then finally, we're gonna recall all our commanders. So you're gonna take all your commanders, move them back, 
uh, to your side. Uh, the end of the game is triggered after four rounds or if one player loses control of their headquarters land area, which uh, I believe says HQ on it. Uh, you win the game immediately if you control your opponent's headquarters land area. Otherwise, the player with the most victory points is the winner. And we get victory points by controlling the areas that have stars on them. And the value of the stars is the value uh, is the number of victory points you get. Uh, the player with the most is the winner. In the case of a tie, the player is the uh, the winner is the player that currently has initiative. So those are all the rules. Well, let's play. Okay. All right. We just finished up a game of General Orders World War II. To recap, uh, BP, the Blue General, uh, was able to capture uh, one of the victory point locations, uh, giving her two points. Uh, but I, as the Yellow General, was able to capture all the other uh, victory point spots for a total of 11, uh, taking first. So uh, my strategy was to try and get into the middle as soon as possible and then just kind of turtle up and... Just, Is that an official term? Yeah, yeah, turtle up. Just sit in my shell. I did try to attack out a couple times. You didn't just sit in your shell. You advanced constantly. I tried to, well, I wanted to keep you on your toes and just kind of keep you keep you fighting off the side. Um, and those bonuses were pretty big. I feel like we fought over that barrage one a lot. Yeah. Um, did and you, I lost all the time. Did you have a strategy? I uh, just try to area majority control. Yeah. You were just, you were area, area majority controlling, I think, the wrong spots. I also think that last artillery barrage you did, instead of shooting here, you probably should have shot the center one to at least get rid of those victory points because I couldn't have moved in back into there. Mm. So, but yeah. Uh, so the theme, did you feel like a general commanding an army? I have no idea what that would feel like. I mean, you've seen movies with generals. Sure. No. Yeah, I feel like the worker placement aspect of it like really takes away the the war game piece to it. And the war game is really just the theme, I feel like. But once you get past that, like... I mean, it's... And I, I think it's not stated, but there is a area majority control aspect to it. Sure, yeah. Um, and so it's worker placement to try to control certain areas. Have we ever played a worker placement game that's like very take that? I don't know. Probably so not. I feel like this, like, I feel like most worker placement games, you are trying to build up your own right. stuff. Right, resources, you know, things like that. Yeah. Uh, you're trying to, you know trying to build up your own things and build your own little engines and stuff. I don't think we've ever played a worker placement that is like so conflicted. Maybe uh, Channel Tunnel 1987. Mm. I feel like that was kind of, but I don't think it was as aggressive as this wants you to be. But uh, table presence? Small. I was shocked at how small it was. Um, it's a little, I mean, in fact, it can sometimes get a little, um, congested on some of the, the hexagons. 
Um, and I will say those cards are the wording on the cards is not completely clear. Yeah, we I was going to get to that. consult them a couple of times. Yeah, I did have to. Uh, I was going to get there with the rules. Yeah, table presence. I was shocked at how small it was. I wonder if that was an intentional choice because the theme wasn't as heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of war games, it's like, oh, this this tank unit has this amount of attack and this amount of defense right. and this amount of mo- and that, that's not here. So I wonder if they made a conscious choice to like just sort of shrink it down and make it smaller because it was so abstract. There wasn't a requirement for it to be really big. Do you think because it's so abstract is also why the theme's not very strong? I think so. I think so. I mean, uh, the fact that they don't even name like what side blue is and what side yellow is, I think they're purposely trying to keep it abstract. Um, but yeah, uh, mechanics. So I love worker placement games. Um, and I think this piece will get a little bit into rules. I think the rule book itself is fine, but I think you're right. I think there's wordings on cards that were hard. So there was one that BP tried to play when I did an airborne assault, but when you read the card, it very specifically says after they do an advance action, which airborne is not. I, and the only reason why we figured that out is because I had an airborne defense card that basically did it, but it said after a paradrop action. So we figured out that those two things were the different. And then the other piece I looked at was uh, there's a card that lets you add more forces to a paradrop, airborne assault, um, that I had to make sure, because the wording on the card doesn't really, it makes it seem like you're just taking a paradrop action and not adding an additional two to the paradrop action you have to take. So it kind of seems like it would let you do two paradrop actions, but I did look on the forum and we played it correctly. It just adds two more to your paradrop. Yeah. Um, and I thought the conflict resolution for being an abstract, abstract game, like the defense gets to take away a little bit and then you just swap pieces until somebody is remaining uh, was super quick. So I think, you know, it didn't, it didn't feel like it was a different game almost. So I felt like that conflict resolution fit with the rest of the game. So uh, how did you feel about mechanics and rules? Um, there's a lot of also iconography to try to remember. Um, I don't think it's a very intuitive necessarily game. It wasn't very complex, I think, because it's so abstract. But um, so, I mean, rules wise, it's a little bit light, but the, the iconography, the confusing cards, it's also not an intuitive, easy fun late game. It's late for, I feel like, a World War II war game. Yeah, I kind of wish that there was an additional reference card. So like the reference card just has action icons and it just says advance, barrage, paradrop. Um, I kind of wish that that card was separate and it said like advance. In order to advance, you need to like, you can't control the area. So like have that additional information on the, because there are prerequisites. Right. Having those prerequisites with the card would have been nice, but I agree. I I mean, once you look at the icon and you match the action up to it, like they, they, they make sense. But you're right, it's just sort of a lot to learn, especially when there are prerequisites in order to even do that action. That's the kind of part that made it complicated, I feel like. 
Um, so the Quinta, oh, player interaction. I mean, I think you kind of already it's touched on this with worker placement as kind of take that -y. Like it is definitely very interactive. Like I had to know what you were doing so I could know how to counter. Yeah. And I feel like once we kind of learned the power of some of those bonus abilities, we were kind of gunning, pun intended, for those bonuses because of how like good they were. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, I mean, the, the worker placement aspect, like, like I said, I don't, I don't think we've ever played anything that was so take that and worker placement. So it, it's certainly different than other worker placements. Um, so would you play it again, BP? Yeah. I didn't think you would. <laughs> Did you not think I would before the playthrough? Uh, I wasn't sure. Like I knew that your answer to pick it up was going to be no, because the theme I knew was not going to be something you were super into. But I wasn't sure which way it was going to go in terms of play it again when yeah. we started, just because it's so different than a war game. And we've played some war, you know, war games in the past, you know, with air quotes, quotes um, that are labeled war games. But, you know, I think uh, Votes for Women is right. a great example. Shores of Tripoli, right. Halls of Montezuma. You know, we've played those. Those are war games. But you've enjoyed playing those. Because they're not your kind of typical war game. Right. So I was thinking, you know, this isn't really a typical war game. So maybe it would be something that you liked. So I wasn't sure. But I could tell by the how the game was progressing that you weren't <laughs> going to be a fan. Um, I would, yeah, I liked it. Um, I would certainly like to play it again. Um, You'll have to find someone. Yeah, I'll have to find someone. That's <laughs> what I'm thinking about right now. It might be one of those games like Terraforming Mars where it's just like, I really enjoyed it. I really liked it, but I didn't have anybody to play with. So the game's got to go because yeah. there's nobody to play with. So well, The kid will be here at some point. You can try it out with them. That's true. Um, so that was General Orders World War II. So if you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, please send them our way. You could do it via email at First Turn Tabletop or hit us on the formerly known as Twitter or Instagram at First Turncast. And the podcasting camel says, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. I know, but again, that's Kate's joke, and it makes me giggle every time she does. Uh, well, let's just say this: uh, you barely flipped it; it sort of, sort of fell off your hand. Mm -hmm.